We're going to read in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 and following here. Scripture says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise man manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and to drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given of him much will be required and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be instructed and to be challenged by it. And I ask God that as we listen to the preaching, that our hearts would be united with your Holy Spirit and submissive to it. Give us understanding, give Pastor great uh, ability to speak. And we'll thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got four points for you today. Point number one. I'm going to give them to you right off the bat. Is that confusing you? This message is for you. Point number two. Faithfulness and wisdom in this life leads to blessedness in the next Point number three, unfaithfulness and foolishness in this life leads to cursedness in the next. Point number four, the principle of this passage that's been given to us. Given much equals required much. Let's start with point two. I know, it's not in order, is it? I apologize. You'd think a math teacher would do everything exactly in order, but I just, we need to do point two first. And I think I want to do point two because it's the easiest one to digest, okay? Faithfulness and wisdom in this life leads to blessedness in the next. I think this is the easiest one to just hear and take in and be like, okay, I got this. Let's talk about why I have this as a point, why I think this is a point to learn from this passage. We take a look at verse 42. It says, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion 
of food at the proper time. This is an answer to Peter's question. And Jesus answers Peter's question with a question, as Jesus does quite often. I think that uh, I, I feel the need always to mention there's, there's a lot of times where Jesus' teaching feels, for lack of a better term, ambiguous. There's a lack of exactness that I really want sometimes. Um, there's some things that he teaches on where I'm like, I, I want more details. And I think this is a great example of how he does that quite often where he says something, and you're like, why didn't he just answer the question, right? I think probably the point of that is to make us think. I think that's probably what that is. You need to really think about this. Let's take a look at this passage uh, as far as this verse is concerned, not just the beginning. I'll come back to that question, but let's think about this first of all. What is Jesus actually telling us? He's talking about a manager. A manager, the word is sometimes translated steward. A steward is a slave that was put in charge of the master's possessions. The steward's main responsibilities would have been the maintaining and care of the other slaves. Okay, This can be seen in this passage. Notice how it's stated. He's going to give them their food at the proper time. A key here for this steward is that he has been given authority or you could say he's been given power. Do you see that in the passage? The steward has been given some measure of authority or power. So let's ask the question, what does that look like in our world and our time? Uh, is, is there a physical kingdom that Christ has started right now? Do we see a castle somewhere? This is not a trick question, by the way. Do we see a physical kingdom? No. In fact, our king, Jesus, just before he was crucified told a ruler of this world, my kingdom is not of this world. Is he a king? Yes, but a king not of this world. Though this, this rule that he has will manifest itself in this world. Our authority in this kingdom, now this is really important, I want you to hear this. Our authority in this kingdom that's been given to us, and why you ought to start thinking about this passage and what it has to do with you, our authority that's been given, our power that's been given, is the truth of the gospel. Think about that for a moment. You have the key truth of the gospel message. That this world and all that is in it will pass away one day. That there is a king that solved the key issue when he came to this world. And it was not initially to come in and say, I'm going to come in and just defeat everybody and kick everybody out. I don't know if any of you have ever watched that TV series, The Chosen. Uh, if you have, I would recommend. If you haven't, I would recommend it. But I, I, we're right at a point where it's so it's so interesting to me. All of the people and we see this. We've seen this in Luke constantly. The people that are following Jesus, they want Jesus as the Messiah to kick the Romans out. And Jesus has come for something different. He's come to solve the real problem. Their sin, your sin, and my sin. He came to this earth. He lived a righteous life. He died on a cross. He bore the wrath of God upon himself. Then he defeated all of that by rising again from the grave, which we're going to celebrate at Easter. And the truth is that truth is for all of you. It's not just for some people. It's for everyone. 
And it is the key truth. There aren't other ways to be reconciled to the creator of the universe. You can't get there through the teachings of Buddha, right? You can't get there through the, through, uh, the, the teachings of Muhammad. You can't get there through any other method. All of them fall short. There's only one way, and our king even said that, there's one way to the Father, and it's through me, is what Jesus says. That is a lot of authority and power that we've been given. You have heard this truth. Think about that. Let us sink in. In some measure, you have been made a steward or a manager of that truth because this world needs to hear that truth. And you've been made a steward of that truth. Does everybody know this truth? No. Are there a lot of people in our country that are not... It's not just... I mean, sometimes I go, man, surely everybody in this country has heard the truth but that's messed up. They got the truth all twisted and distorted, what that means and what Jesus did. But you have the truth of who he is. That's a big responsibility, a grand stewardship that you have. There's some examples. Let me give some examples of this responsibility in our world I think that you're starting to see. You know what a big one is? What I'm doing right now, preaching the truth to you. I've been made a steward of that responsibility. Do I think about trying to get out of it all the time? I sure do. <laughs> it's a big responsibility. There's some passages. Paul and I, we talked about this before. There's some passages that says they'll be judged according to this. I, I will be held accountable to how I've shepherded every single one of you. And I'm looking at you guys, and every once in a while I'm like, I don't want to do it. It's a big responsibility. I'm not going to shirk from it. I've been made a steward of this. Taking this truth, preaching and administering it and living it in your own family at home. So what you hear here, then turning around. And I specifically want to state to the, the fathers, but anybody that's in here and you're in your home, you guys all, that's what you do, right? You get done being here and after you go and have Lapot, you go home, right? And then you're with your family. You have a responsibility, especially if there's somebody that is a part of your family or your extended family that does not come to this church or any other church, potentially. You have a responsibility, a stewardship. You've been given that wonderful gift of truth to take and extend it out into your family, to live it, to be it, shepherding your own families. I know some of you are going, I've blown it big time. Well, today is the day to turn that around. If you haven't been doing it, start today. That stewardship is there. Live it. Sharing the truth with each other. Sharing the truth with our little ones. What a responsibility we have with that. That's a challenging one for us because I think there's a lot of us. We, we have this weird problem at Edgewood. We, we want to be in here. I think that's a good thing. But then nobody wants to go back there when we have kids. And it's like, but that's an important part of it, is it not? It's a responsibility, a stewardship we have. We have youth that need to hear the truth. If you don't believe that, come to school with me sometime. If you want to know if there are people that are young that are not getting the truth, feel free to pop in 
in my class. I don't know if they'd actually let you do that. I'm offering that. I don't know if they would let you do that. I could probably talk them into it. Maybe. Oh, they're a professional uh, geometer. I don't even, that's not even a thing. Um, don't get off your notes, Matt. Um, the point is there's not a one of us who is not responsible to participate in some way in God's kingdom. There's not a one of you, once you hear this truth, there's some measure. Now, it's interesting because what we're going to talk about today a little bit, but more when we get to Luke 19, there's, there's a lot of interesting elements that what you're given, the amount of truth you're given and the amount of truth you encounter, the more you encounter, the more the responsibility, which you saw that at the very end of this text. It doesn't count. You can't just decide to plug your ears now and go, well, I better not hear anymore. <laughs> Let's get to the result of this faithful, wise manager. He's been set over what he's been given responsibility for, what he does with it. Listen to this, what a faithful, wise manager looks like. It says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing, doing what he's been, whatever he's been given responsibility for, he's doing that. When he, the master, comes, he's coming. He's been delayed longer than we thought. He's been delayed longer than some of us in this room have thought. How many of us could go back 20 or 30 years and go, I thought he was coming then? (laughs) We keep hoping every day, don't we? Every day it feels, it just feels like, man, we're getting close They've been doing that for a couple thousand years, i got to be honest with you. But the point is, he is coming. And regardless of whether or not he comes in your lifetime, your end will come. Nobody has escaped that yet. You haven't met your end yet, but every single one of you has an end in accounting with the Lord. It's coming. It could happen before you get home today. You could be driving home and some moron could pull out in front of you. Your end is coming, right? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. But Don't you hope that when your end comes, you will be doing what God has called you to do? Think of all the things that you go, I hope, he didn't, I hope he doesn't come when I'm doing that. Or that. Ooh, or that. Blessed means happy. It's happy, though, in a good, godly, lasting, genuine reason to be happy. It's happy unlike any happiness this world offers. That's what blessed means. Blessed is that servant. Happy is he. Happy in a good way. Happy in a godly way. Happy in a lasting way. Happy in a genuine way with genuine reasons to be happy. The timing is important. So much of the teaching in this chapter is focused on that return of Jesus, and you see that in this verse when he comes. Truly I say to you, here's some of that reasoning behind the blessedness. When he comes, he will set him over his possessions. Now, I know that there's some teachings and some theology that you're going to go, I never knew that. 
I think that some of us have this view of eternity that there's a split, heaven and hell. And it looks pretty much the same for everybody. If you're in heaven, that's what heaven is like for everybody. If you're in hell, that's what hell's like for everybody. This passage is going to disrupt that belief on one end of the spectrum, and then it's going to disrupt it again when we get to Luke chapter 19 on the other end of the spectrum. In fact, let me give you a heads up to Luke chapter 19. It's the parable of the stewards, a different parable, but related to this one, a very similar story with a steward that was faithful and actually has several stewards that were faithful over something that was given to them. The, these minas is what it's called, this type of money. Luke 19, 17, when the, in, this, in that parable, when the master returns, he says to the one that was faithful with a mina, he says, because you've been faithful in very little, a mina, he had given him one mina in this particular version. He says, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made me five minas. And he said to him, and you, you are to be over five cities. Can I, can I imagine for a moment? Can you guys care if I just use my imagination? Imagination. I, I'm, I'm going to take a guess. Can I just guess? I have no idea exactly what this looks like. I wish I did. I, I like to guess. I, I know, here's some things I know. There's a new earth coming. Right, heavens are not floaty clouds, right? You guys know that? Like, Peter talks about how when he comes, everything is going to, he uses the word dissolve. It's the English Standard Version uh, translation of the word. He says everything is going to dissolve. Everything. That's these chairs you're sitting on, this building, all those trees, the ground we're upon, your cars, your house, your photos at home, everything dissolve. But then he's going to recreate a new heaven and a new earth. New heaven, just like in, in Genesis when it says God created the heavens and the earth, was he talking about, in that verse, was he talking about heavens like heaven, we're in heaven? No, what was he talking about? All that up there, the sky? So when it says in the New Testament he's going to create a new heavens and new earth, He's talking about the same thing. There's going to be a new planet Earth. Right? We know this. I think, maybe, because I don't think we're going to be living in trees. I could be wrong. I don't know. I think because there's a lot of hints that even in that time, kingdoms, nations, peoples, could there be a new Danville in this new earth, restored, recreated. Here's the thing. I don't think we're going to be for eternity just like hanging around like, what are we going to do today? Well, I don't know. We've played ping pong for the last million years. What are we going to do now? I don't think it's going to be like, I think we're going to be building stuff, making things. In some way, there's going to be a government with our king at the head. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of reason to believe that how you manage what God gives you here will determine what kind of position you have there. Now, it'll be free of sin. It's not like you're going to be like, 
And I'm telling you, there's some places where Paul the Apostle talks about some people, all of their works are going to be put before him and they're going to be burned up. It says they'll still make it, but as if they went through fire. So there's a reality. Now, you won't be disappointed, I promise you, but there's a reality in this eternity that's coming where some of us are going to have, we're going to be at the the bottom end of it. Now, you won't be like frustrated by it because you will not be sinful. Now, I know that as I'm talking about this, there's a thousand questions that are popping in your head. Well, what about, but how would, but what, but I don't know. But there's going to be some people that are going to be over cities. And how you've been responsible. I think it's going to, I think it's going to blow our minds who's, who's here and who's there. There's going to be some people that nobody knew that God puts at a high, high position. And not a single person knew who they were. And everybody had forgotten them. And the least will become the greatest. And you're going to see some people that even in the scope of what we would call the church, among the greatest will be the least. And don't miss that Jesus presents these things to us as a motivation. Like what I'm literally telling you right now is that your eternity is determined by how you live it out here. Not just heaven or hell, but what sort of heaven it is. And as you're going to see, what sort of hell it could be. Let's continue. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I just, it gets my inquisitive juices flowing thinking about what that's going to be like, doesn't it? Anyway, point three. Unfaithfulness and foolishness in this life leads to cursedness in the next. This one will have the most questions with the fewest answers. I'm just going to tell you right now. In fact, I don't think I should even cover this point yet. Because most of us in this room, because because you're here, not out there, you're going to hear this and you're going to think, this might not have anything to do with me. So maybe I do need to do point number one. This message is for you. Let's do point number one. Peter said, let's go back to the question. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Remember the parables he's talking about is, hey, Jesus is saying, be ready. I'm coming. Be ready. It's coming. You better be ready. Loins gird, right? Loins girded up. Lamps lit. Oil in the lamps, keep them burning, 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 <laughs> right? Let, be ready. And Peter says, you telling this for us or for all? I think he probably, like us, is like, I think I'm ready already. Am I, I'm ready, aren't I? Am I ready? I think I'm ready, ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm already ready. So what's this for? Why are you telling us this? There's a few things that he could be asking. He could be saying, are you telling this for us, the leaders, like the 12, or for the rest of the disciples? Because Jesus was talking to his disciples. He could be saying, are you talking about us as the disciples versus all everybody else, all the other people? There's a lot of other options that he could be stating, but I think it's important at this moment to state there's, there's something about the physical world and the spiritual world that we need to mention for just a moment. Let's just be honest. 
What happens in the physical world does not always match what is going on in the spiritual world. The Bible actually has a lot to say about that. Let me just give you a few examples. John talks about this a lot in his book, 1 John. Whoever says, I know him, physical world, I know him. I, I, know, I, know, I know him. Go to church, I know him. But does not do what he commands, but does not keep his commandments as a liar, and the truth is not in him. Hmm. So there's people that in this physical world, they go, oh, I know him. But the reality is they don't know him. Whoever says he's in the light, I'm in the light. I, I, I've, I've got the light. I've, my theology is right. I've got it figured out. I mean, there's some people out there that they don't have their theologies worked out. I mean, they got some really messed up theology. I got my theology. I am in the light. But hates his brother is still in darkness. Hmm. Not everyone, Jesus says, Matthew 7 in his Sermon on the Mount, not everyone, not everyone who says it in this physical world, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Or this passage that we're in, we're getting ready to see, you can have somebody that's called a steward and in some way been given the responsibility of steward, but is not really a steward at all. Even in this story, what does the physical world, does it match what's here? Peter said, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Let's look how Jesus responds. Let's go back to that response. Who then? Peter says, who? Jesus says, well, who? He turns it around. Well, I think he's saying, well, Peter, well, well, who do you think? This is not applied physics. This is not advanced engineering. This is not even high school geometry. I think Jesus is saying, look around. Who do you think, Peter? Does the shoe fit? Then wear it. I don't care what you think you are or what, what you... I mean, it doesn't matter how much you could have been in church your whole life and heard it all, but if it doesn't impact you in a real, genuine way, you are not going to be counted among the faithful. Who? Well, let's see if the shoe fits. Let's go back to point three now. You need to think about this. Don't automatically go, well, I, when I was 16, I can remember this time and that Jesus, I just knew, and I prayed this prayer, and I, I, I was so sorry for him. And I, that's a, that's a moment in time, okay? I know some of you are not gonna like that. That's a moment. How do you, the question is, how do you know that's, how do you know that you went from death to life in that moment? How do you know that the Spirit of God, which is given as a seal to guarantee your inheritance, how would you know that the, the powerful Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in you, is what Paul says. How do you know that's there? It's not because of something that you said or did way back in the day. 
That's powerful. Think about what kind of power raised Jesus up from the dead. And Paul says that same power, that same spirit that did that is at work in you. Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, he says, Be confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. There ought to be something happening in you. And it ought to be real. And if it's not, you need to take a hard look at what he says next about this steward that has not been faithful. Unfaithfulness and foolishness in this life leads to cursedness in the next Notice verse 45, but if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed. I mean, Jesus, let's, let's be truthful. If Jesus is right there with you, he's standing right there next to you, how much different would it be? It ought not to be different. You ought to be living a life as if he's right there and you're growing with the spirit of God in you. This servant says, my master is delayed in coming. He's taking his time. I mean, let's be honest, he's not here right now. And he begins to do two things. Beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. Two main issues here that I see, I think. Abuse and indulgence. The key again here, understanding this, is that this is made possible by the authority or power given. We've seen extreme examples of this through history. There were wars fought in the name of Jesus where they went out and killed people really to take land. But they said it was something different. There have been, even in our time, Catholic priests using their position to molest children. Abuse, indulgence. There have been megachurch pastors that live high in the hog, expanding their own kingdoms at the expense of others, right? So they can indulge themselves. There have been prosperity preachers that are prospering, again, sharing a, selling a, a bill of goods that is false. In the name of Jesus, and then hopping in their big jets. Literally, that happens. We see it. But it's not limited to those extreme versions. We've all heard stories, and praise God, I don't think I've ever seen this here. I don't think I've, me personally, have ever been in a situation that was quite like this, but we've all heard those stories of those little churches where you had that deacon board that was large and in charge, and the hiring of the pastor was basically an employee for them, Right? Yeah. Who in here is, I mean, you've heard those situations, haven't you? Is that not the same thing? Abuse of that authority for the purpose of ultimately indulgence. How about the pastor at the small church that's simply using that, getting everybody motivated, getting, we've got to grow this church, got to grow this church. Why? Just so they can get offered a better position at a bigger church. That happens. That's sick. By the way, it's sick. Part of me is so thankful for this passage because I think about those things. But let's keep get, digging down a little bit more. What about you? What have you done with your knowledge of Jesus? 
Some of us, the only reason why we wouldn't fit into those categories is not lack of what's going on in here, but just lack of opportunity. Do you sit back and judge the world in harshness because of your position in Christ? And then just indulge yourself? That's still the same heart, is it not? You may not be actually doing anything and you, you know, rectifying it in your own mind, but if you just sit there and you watch, oh man, this, oh, sick of the, I mean, you hate the world. And you hop in your really nice car. Is that not the same heart? What have you done with your knowledge of Jesus? Have you been a good steward? Do you rest on the laurels of your own righteousness? Do you just sit there and think, I'm glad I'm not them? The title of steward of the gospel is there for many people, but is there a reality to it? There's a great leveling that's going to come, verse 46. The master of that servant will also come on a day when he does not expect it. He's not going, God does not do this. He's not going to tell you, your soul will be required tomorrow. I'm giving you a heads up. He is going to come when you least expect it. And for all of you that go, oh man, the Old Testament stuff, they're so, so harsh and so visual and so like, man, there's so many terrible things happening in the Old Testament. God just seems so wrathful. Listen to Jesus, what he says here. He's going to come. We doesn't expect him in an hour. He does not know. And he will cut. It's literally dismember him. He is going to cut him in pieces. Like cut him in pieces. Daryl Bach says of this, he says, this is a picture of rejection. In fact, dismemberment is the most graphic way possible to express Rejection. This is not a matter of dismissal or demotion, but departure. A high calling does not protect from the consequences of total unfaithfulness. For with the call must come obedience. Such a warning is necessary. Think about this because Judas is among those disciples. The passage is addressed to anyone associated with Jesus who has undertaken responsibility in the church. I don't care what measure that is. Small amount of responsibility. You're here. You have some. Such a profession may be taken at face value, but Jesus will evaluate the genuineness of it on the day of judgment. You may fool everybody in this life, even yourself, but you will not fool him. There is a day of reckoning coming. And for those that have been given this great responsibility and have heard this stewardship, there is one outcome. Dismemberment, total rejection by the king of the universe and cast out. In the parallel passage in Matthew, just in case you have any questions about what that might mean or what that might look like, if you look at the parallel passage in Matthew 25, he, he says in that place where he's cast out with the unfaithful, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But now, let's get to the weird part. 
I'm not to the weird part yet. (laughs) This is a new situation. And the servant, who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. This is situation number three. I'm just going to go right to situation number four because I think I deal with them at the same time. The one who did not know and did what deserved a beating, that's important because that means all of us. There's not one of us who is not a sinner. The one who did not know but still did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. There's a lot of ways I could take this. I wish that one of my commentaries would just said, this is exactly what this means. None of them did that. Daggone it. I paid good money for a couple of those commentaries. Daryl Bach let me down. Most of them say something along the lines of this. I think we don't want this either. <laughs> right? I'm not sure what this means, but there's no beatings in heaven, okay? Now, I think, can I just think for a minute? Just think, get away from the pulpit so you know I'm just thinking out loud. I think, 99%, I'll take one step forward. I think there are levels to hell. I would like to point out that many of us said, I hope there's a hot place in hell for that guy. That in Jesus' economy, the, the worst version is not the one that you'd probably put there. It's the one that knew the truth and was given opportunity to live that truth out and to do something for the kingdom of God and didn't do it. Instead, they were all about themselves. The hottest place in hell is reserved, I think, by this text for them. Here's the other thing to think about as we talk. There's not a one of you that falls into either one of these categories. Because you're here right now. Right? If there's any category you fall into, it's that first one, that steward. You got a lot of questions? I do too. Let's summarize with the principle that's given, point number four. Because Jesus offers a summary at the end. And guess what? You have been given much. You didn't plug your ears when you came in. You're hearing the good news right now. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, came to this earth, lived a righteous life, earned righteousness for us, died on the cross, bore the weight of the wrath of God in his justice, has now offered through his death, burial, and resurrection a great exchange, your sin for his righteousness. This is the wondrous truth of this world. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, establishing his kingdom, though not of this world, will be manifested in this world through his chosen ones. We are now emissaries. What are you going to do? 
You're stewards of the truth. And you are blessed. If John Greenhall was here, he'd say beyond measure. None of this that I'm mentioning, even this, what a great blessing it is, the greatest of all blessings. I have not even gotten into all of the other blessings we've experienced. Don't mistake them for something else. They're blessings. You were blessed by having been born in this country and exposed to the truth. That's a blessing. Because if this is the truth, what a blessing to be born into a situation where you hear it from a young age. You've been blessed, every single one of us in this room, even the poorest among us in this room, you've been blessed with possessions and things. You've been blessed with the freedom to accept this truth and profess it openly. That's a blessing. It's a blessing that might be taken away, and we might experience a different blessing, the blessing of persecution. But right now, we have great blessing, great things. Much has been given to us. He blessed you with arms and legs, most of us, and a mouth to go and tell the truth to others, that's what he gave you that mouth for. Some of you, he's been, you've been blessed with things or possessions more than others. Don't take credit for that. Don't just pat yourself on the back and think to yourself, I got all this because I worked harder than they did. You know, on a side note on that, I've seen some people work really hard in this life and one thing after another. And I've seen some people that practically fell into it. <laughs> But even your work ethic is a blessing from God. Where'd that come from? Ask yourself instead of, what have I done to get all this stuff? Ask yourself instead, what does God want me to do with this stuff? Every last penny is his that he has blessed you with. What are you doing with it? There's nothing wrong with using it to provide, take care of yourself. There's all those things. But there's sometimes in the scriptures, God calls us to great sacrifice, even with our things. And one day he's returning. And everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. This is Jesus teaching this. Every one to whom much is given, much, not a little, will be required. The more he has blessed you, the more he is expecting of you to do with that blessing. And the God's honest truth is that some of us, when we get blessing, think, yay for me. And this passage ought to tell you that is not how you ought to be thinking. From him whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. In some way, we will have that great accounting before the king of the universe where he will say, let's look at what I've given you and what have you done.
What a great, happy sermon for a new year, isn't it? But what a motivational one to say, this is the teaching of Jesus. What am I going to do this year maybe differently than I've done in previous years? Not, not what am I, what, what do I need to just, I, I need, all, people like to make all these resolutions. This uh, could be the year that you go, you know what, what, Lord, if you call me to give it all away, I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. What, what you have given me, I don't want, I do not want to be, I don't, I know I'm not going to be the light beating because I've heard the truth. I know I'm not going to be just the heavy beating, but bottom line, I don't want either one of those. What does a beating from God even look like? I don't even want to fathom. But you're all exempt from those because you've been given the truth. You are stewards of the truth. And if you are not faithful with what he has given you, then there's only one other option. And you may be sitting there, wait, is this for me? Wait, or wait, are you talking to me, Matt? You may be like Peter right now, even at the end of this, going, wait, are you talking to me? Ask yourself, does the shoe fit? And if it does, slip it on and face up to what you are. Now, let's shift gears a little bit. Can we shift gears a little bit? I don't want to say all those things and leave you in defeat. Because I'm telling you right now that even though you've been a complete idiot in your life, you know the rest. If you've been messing up, if you've been living this whole time, you've given as much as you felt like just to make yourself feel comfortable, you've, you've been, been that way, but the bottom line is you've, you're like, I'm still making sure I reserve enough for me. I got to make sure I got me taken care of and not just taken care of, happy. This may be the year that God is calling you to something higher and greater because he's pointed out to you today that there's been much given to you. Much will be required one day of you. What have you done with what you've been given? I know I've emphasized possessions, but I think there's other things as well. Some of you have the ability to administer grace to everybody else in this room by what you do, sometimes through just demonstrating love and kindness, encouragement with your mouth. Some of you may need to say, you know what? I have not wanted to help with the kids, but you know what? That is a responsibility, and I have arms and legs. I could do it. I could give up a Sunday a month and do something like that, right? I've got a stewardship. What am I going to do with it? Some of you have the ability to share your words and testimony and you shy away from it. Or maybe it's an opportunity to pray in this group, in this congregation. Don't shy away from those things. And so I want to tell you right now, no matter what you've been, no matter how much I'm, you feel like, man, I've messed up, I've messed up, I've messed up. Let's take a moment now, because we're going to do this thing over here with these silver trays. And you know what we're going to do over here? We're going to remind ourselves, wait a minute. This is about the blessing, I think, right? How we've been blessed. So I want to encourage you not to say, if you're sitting and go, man, I mess up, I probably shouldn't. No, I, I encourage you. If you're sitting here today going, God, I, I want to do what you want me to do, then I encourage you to take, we're going to hand these out. There's gonna, if we double cupped it this week, so there's, there's two cups, one on top of the other one. Bottom cup has the bread in it. Top cup has the, um, the grape juice in it, right? So when, when they come around and they hand these out, grab both. I want to encourage you while they're doing that and you're sitting there, just think about that bread, that 
that, that juice, right? That bread, his body given for you, broken for you, his blood shed for you. And sit there and start asking yourself, Lord, what can I do for you? It's a time of reflection. What can I, what, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to do? I've been living my life for me. Well, how, how can I, I, there's an accounting coming, Lord. I don't, want, I don't want to come up short on that day. Lord, help me to live the rest of this time for you. And take that time to reflect and ask yourself. I, I'm telling you right now, it, it's not that you're going to get an audible voice. I, I, maybe you will, I don't know. I wonder sometimes. But I think you may get the Spirit of God nudging in your ear saying, what about this? What about this? What about that? You could do that. You could. You could give up that. Okay? So let's go ahead and have the ushers. I don't know who's ushering today. Come on up.